how do you want to be in the world? How do you want to show up? I think I'm trying to figure it out. Mm. I think it's something I'm, I'm figuring out every day. And I think it's nice to think about it and kind of filter out things that doesn't fit right with you. Okay. I feel like I'm definitely just trying to figure it out for myself. People always say like they're trying to find out who they are. I mean, I think we're all doing that and we're all trying to figure that out. But I feel like it always changes or so. I feel like we change a lot mm -hmm. all the time. Welcome to Juice List, the podcast. In this series, we're delving into the dynamic world of art and culture with a focus on the Investor Cape Town Art Fair. Now in its 11th edition, this annual event held at the Cape Town International Convention Center features over 100 galleries and showcases the incredible works of more than 500 artists across four continents. Join us as we explore the curated series highlighting the diverse and innovative expressions of creativity that makes this fair a standout on the global art calendar. This is Jude, and I'm excited to take you on an exclusive journey to the Investec Art Fair Curated Series. In this episode, I speak with Aniko Mostert, a versatile South African artist known for her multidisciplinary approach, encompassing ceramics, textile design, animation, and painting. Her work focuses on capturing the quiet, everyday moment, characterized by intuitive process that allow for vivid colors and playful figures. Aniko often draws inspiration from social media images. It creates still life scenes that blend ordinary with the surreal. In her works, familiar domestic settings are depicted as lively yet unpopulated, while human figures are portrayed in stark, object-free environments, further adding to the distinctive surreal quality of her work. Thank you for joining me. Hi, I'm Aniku Mostert, and I'm very excited to be on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. Aniko, let's start by talking about your journey into art. How did you get started? And then uh, where are you currently? Um, I feel like art has always been, like growing up, my mom was always busy with some kind of creative project. Um, she always had um, lots of books on how to draw the, the human figure or the face or how to draw cartoons. So drawing was a big part of my childhood. My grandmother was also a very creative lady. She did ceramics for a while and she was also always busy with some kind of project. Um, so it was very much part of my life growing up. Uh, so it always felt like a comfortable spot for me creating and making it felt like a safe space okay. because I feel like maybe the adults in my life that was their way to kind of have fun and um yeah just work through things so I understood that and it kind of became my way of expressing as well so it's always been around and going into high school I did art I was actually wanting to do history, but the art and history, the art, I, I ended up choosing art because the schedule was clashing. And I'm so glad that I ended up doing art because it was definitely also a space for me in school where I felt my most comfortable. Uh, and then eventually. How so? I think I was quite shy. 
um, not the most outspoken kid. And for some reason, when I got to the art class, I felt like I could crawl out of my shell a bit, which really helped with building confidence. Um, and then like yeah. heading into the end of high school, it's the classic question of like, what are you going to do now? And I had this friend yeah. and her sister, her sister went to Michaelis and she always told me about her experience there. And it just sounded like the best to me. So yeah, I was fortunate enough. Michaelis is School of Fine Art. It's UCT's art department. So I sent in a portfolio and I was lucky enough to get in and to be supported, to be able to go. And I would say that's where I realized that it was truly something that I want to do for the rest of my life. I mean, at the time, as a student, I didn't always think that it would be possible to be where I am now, to do it as a like a job. But... Um, Definitely yeah. a time. I remember I have such a clear memory in second year where I was kind of writing in my notebook and um, like working through some ideas for some, pro I don't even remember the project, but for some project. And I had this moment where, where I thought like, I, I just had this thought where I was like, oh, I, I really want to be here and I'm really excited to be doing this, which is quite a cool moment for me as a 19 year old. And I feel like that was where, like, my focus started shifting and I really put in, like, 100% effort into my projects. I mean, not always, but most of the time okay. I really tried hard. Um, yeah. And then after Michaelis, I had a year where I didn't – I was just working part-time jobs. I feel like finishing art school is quite overwhelming it's quite a question mark. You, you're not sure where to go. Um, who to okay. You're not sure what to do afterwards. Yeah, exactly. I had no clue. Um, so I was working part-time jobs for a while and then slowly but surely I was getting back into like drawing and then I started painting because when I was in art school, I actually didn't make a single painting. I was a printmaker. Uh and then after art school, oh wow, yeah. After art school, I set up a little space. I was living with my parents at the time, and they had a Wendy house at the back of their garden. I kind of cleared it out and turned it into a little studio. And then COVID hit, and I kind of lost all my part-time jobs, and I was forced to just focus on making things in my little studio which I was, I was quite lucky in the sense that I had somewhere like secure to stay and, you know, I had a lot of support at the time during a very, very um, nerve wracking time with COVID. And then, yeah, so I was forced to yeah. kind of focus on making and it kind of just worked out from there. In terms of people, I think it was the right time for people. People were online a lot and I was posting on Instagram quite often and really sharing my process. And I think people enjoyed that. And so that was a big part of like how I got to where I am now. Yeah. Aniko, looking back as well, 
When was that point where you realized you wanted to pursue art full-time? Can you describe what it felt like? So I think for a long time, I didn't actually believe. It was hard to believe that I could do it full-time. And I, okay. I don't think I had the confidence to say, I'm going to be an artist full-time. And then when COVID hit and my other options were kind of taken away from me for a while, I realized that being in that, my little studio space was just, it was my favorite place to be and sharing my work felt natural yeah. at the time. And then when I started realizing that people are taking note and people are um, kind of interacting with the work that I'm putting out there, that's when I realized that maybe I can do this and a little bit of confidence was building. And then I had the confidence to say, okay, I'm going to do this and really step into it. I think I've always wanted to do it, but I was just too scared to say it out loud. And then I was kind of jolted into it. Okay. Which I'm very grateful that that happened. Yeah. So would you say COVID gave you that space to settle on the idea that you have all the confidence in the world to pursue this full time? Definitely. Because, I mean, if I... It would have been so scary for me to to put all my time and focus in something that I wasn't sure if it was going to support me financially yeah. or if it's going to work out. So it really just, it's almost like COVID made that decision for me, even though I've always wanted to make that decision, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. COVID took away your options. Yeah, literally, literally. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful that that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was a hard time for a lot of people, you know. Definitely. It was a hard time, but I, I always feel yeah. a little bit guilty when I say that I actually enjoyed parts of it. I enjoyed how my life slowed down, like, quite a lot. And I could just yeah. fixate on the thing. Was it a reset for you or it was just like a, a pause? It was a pause. It was a pause that turned into a reset, I think. Also a lot of time with my family, which I was nervous about, but then it was really nice <laughs> to spend time with like my sister. Yeah. Yeah. Back to your experience growing up in uh, a household full of artists, like even with your grandparents, did you have some form of guidance or did you have some form of instruction? Is this something that you were taught or is this something that you just picked up by yourself? Well, I think I saw them playing and being willing to play and not put too much pressure on what they make, especially with my, with my grandmother. She, she had a very, um, specific energy when it came to making things it's almost like she didn't really worry about the outcome she just enjoyed making it which I think is like a really good thing for a child to witness um, because making art and being creative is so much about the process and I feel like if you lean into the process the outcome will like naturally be more appealing to you. Whereas if you approach a project and you're so worried about, or you have this great expectation of what the work needs to look like, it's quite hard to get there because there's so much pressure. So I think seeing that 
in my grandmother particularly was very good for me as a child. Um, my mom, she she did, yeah, she kind of chopped and changed between projects a lot. So, yeah, playing was always, it was always how they approached making things, you know, not putting too much pressure on it. So I always, I felt like I was confident in making okay. a mark and I feel like I felt like I could back myself in that sense. Like I can make a mark and then I can push it to the side and make another drawing. So, okay. yeah, it was just kind of part so, of everyday life, I guess. Okay. So in a sense, you're not making a thing with an outcome in mind, for, for instance, to sell or to give it away. You're just making for the sake of something you enjoy. Yeah. Is that the case? Well, when I, I mean, I feel like, down the line when people started um, taking note of my work that line became a bit blurry and then it I had to take a moment and think okay well I can't be thinking of people's eyes on my work because then I get I feel like there's pressure so I had to kind of try and remember what making things and making drawings and painting yeah. felt like before it was kind of before there was something on the line so i always try to remember that oh that is something that i need to do because it's part yeah. of who i am and it's my way of i think making that's a tricky one yeah making paintings i feel like is my best way of communicating okay so i need to communicate how i communicate okay and not think too much about what it needs to become. Otherwise, I almost take away from it. Okay. In that sense, what are you trying to communicate with yourself and even with the world as well? Um, I think most of my works, I'll, I'll create something and then when I kind of step back and look at it, once it's finished, I'll kind of realized what I was trying to say. Yeah. Or it will come up during the process. And it's often about questioning how you are in the world or how you would like to present or how you relate to the world, I guess. And um, moments of questioning what uh, introspection looks and feel like okay i think that's something that comes through in my work and something that i and it's often also my own emotions that that filter into the work um yeah yeah let's talk about that process a bit just before you start a body of work or you start a painting are you able to translate what you feel at that point into the painting and what does that look like I think that kind of happens naturally. I find it difficult to work with a plan. So I'll kind of just approach an empty canvas and put down color. And I'll pick, usually what I'll do is I'll pick a color that speaks to me on the day and I'll cover the canvas in a color. Okay. And then I feel like I have a whole library of images on my phone that I've collected from social media, from my own photos, like screenshots of things that I've watched online or movies or 
uh, photos that friends have sent me. And I'll go through that little library on my phone and then again also pick an image that kind of speaks to me on the day. And I'll start with that and I'll maybe do a rough sketch or like just put down rough like color blocks of the image. And then usually what happens is an image kind of, a new image climbs out of that. Okay. And then I'll try and go with that new image. And then through that process, I'll kind of realize what's been coming through almost subconsciously, I think. Like all the things that I think about and that I speak about, I imagine it filtering through into the painting. And then once I can step back, I can kind of see what I was trying to communicate. Sometimes I surprise myself a little bit. <laughs> and then I'll look at a work and think, oh, that's how I'm feeling. In what way? Uh, I guess with like color. And um, for a while, they, I was using, when I started out, my the, my color palette was like very bright. And then for a while, they, the paintings were almost devoid of color. It was a lot, a lot of grays, a lot of blues. The figures became elongated and kind of spread across the room. And it almost... I, afterwards, I realized that it was something that that's changed in my life, that I, I think I was kind of working through that change and letting go of something. And the, the color palette and the way I painted the figures kind of leaned towards that emotion, I think. Um, but I don't always I don't always want to be very specific about that because ultimately when someone stands in front of the work, I want them to kind of see what pops up for them. Yeah. I guess when I, I think when you're looking at a artwork, you're kind of projecting your own your own background, your own life onto it. And you take from it what you take from it. And that's what I want when someone else is standing in front of my painting. So I don't always want to be too specific about um, the specifics that comes from my side. You mentioned that you were heavily focused on printmaking and then you switched to painting. How did that switch happen? And then what sort of influenced it? Mm -hmm. Well, I think I switched to painting because after I finished at Michaelis, I didn't have access to a printmaking studio anymore. And there's a lot of like, uh, I guess you need a space that's set up for okay. printmaking to be able to do it. Um, but even when I was making prints, I was doing monotypes, which feels a lot like painting. It's the printmaking um, method that feels the most like painting. And I was doing that mostly. So it was almost like I was practicing painting through something that I'm mm -hmm. comfortable with, which was printmaking and something that I know. And then when that studio space wasn't there, I started painting. So that's also something that kind of just happened for me. Um, but I don't, I don't think I was always the best printmaker because I'm, I'm quite a messy painter. And when you're doing, when you're making prints, you kind of have to be very meticulous and clean. And if anyone has seen my studio, my studio is the opposite of that. It's quite messy. So <laughs> I feel like, Painting is what I should have done at 
Michaela's as well. I kind of wish I did do painting at Michaela's. Mm. But I learned a lot through doing printmaking. Yeah. In terms of lessons learned from printmaking, how did you translate that into your, your painting? Well, I think even when I was making prints, I was approaching printmaking more like I was painting, but I didn't realize it at the time. Mm. So I would say what what I've learned from printmaking is just to kind of once in a while organize my space so that so that I don't feel overwhelmed okay. by things piling up. And yeah, so I, I think it's taught me to think about how I move in my studio, where my table with my paints, where should I put that? Where is it going to be the most convenient for me when I'm making? Um, so, I, yeah, I think that was kind of the main thing I learned from printmaking. But I, I have to be honest, when I was making prints, I was definitely approaching it from a painter's point of view without me even knowing it. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I kind of wish I knew it at the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think there are any similarities between the two? Yes. I mean, with what I was doing, which is, mono, I don't know if you know what a monotype no. is. It's kind of you, you can do it with oil paints, actually. But at the time, I was working with etching ink. And you kind of have a piece of perspex and you paint on the perspex. And then you you transfer that image that you've painted on the the surface onto a piece of paper. So it's very much like okay, painting. Okay. Um, it's very similar. Okay. But I there's a lot of there's a lot of different printmaking methods. There's etching, there's I mean there's so many things is kind of endless, which is a lot more there's it's there's a, like a very proper process that you have to follow with the other methods and with monotyping it's it's a lot more loose and you have a lot more space to play and you know you can push it a little bit it's not as strict the okay. medium okay so Aniko, currently what is your work focusing on what are the current themes you're exploring in your work um i feel like my work is always kind of about um, intimacy between the figures that I paint yeah. and the connection between the figures and the objects in the painting. I feel like even if it's a still life, I always try to attach a personality to the objects and I try to imagine how the object or the flower would be if it was real. Um, so definitely about intimate moments how self-discovery the work that I'm currently making for the art fair is very much about looking at what the process of self-discovery and how you relate to the world feels like and looks like um so yeah I would say the the figures are always quite vulnerable but very happy to very too happy to happy to feel what they feel yeah it's almost like they have a hopefulness if they if they feel if they're feeling sad or melancholic, they know that it's just a yeah. moment and tomorrow might be different. Tomorrow might be a joyful day. But today 
is a quiet day and a introspective mm-hmm. day. So I feel like they're very gentle with themselves and each other in the artworks. And it always kind of feels like a canvas is like a little square where I question these that kind of themes. Okay. That pop up in my life. Yeah. Yeah. On the theme of self-discovery, what has that looked like in your own life? It's kind of questioning what growth looks and feels okay. like. A lot of the work that I'm making at the moment, it's people getting dressed. <laughs> okay. And it's almost like they're trying on different versions. <laughs> but it's like they'll be like bending down and putting on a shoe. Um, I recently made a painting of five or six figures standing in front of a table Uh and the table is filled with like almost random objects, but it's objects that you would put on your body. So there's earrings, there's a lipstick, um, makeup, Uh and they're standing and looking at these objects and it's almost like they know that it needs to go on their body. They know they need to do something with the object, but they're not quite sure what to do with it is almost like an awkwardness, like a childlike awkwardness between them and the objects. And I feel like how that reflects in my life, I feel like I often go through changes and like discover, you know, like how we all do. We, we're constantly rediscovering ourselves. You know, you get put in a situation and then you realize, Oh, I, I reacted in this way. Why? Or maybe you don't have to question it. And I think that's what the work is always about. It's always questioning and like exploring just like the everyday situation that we find ourselves in, you know, like trying to figure out how we are in the world and how we want to show up in the world. And sometimes that's like really awkward and uncomfortable. And sometimes there's a lot of confidence there and you kind of just gliding through it you know and you feel really connected but you know it's always an up and a down it's always changing and I guess with the paintings I'm trying to also reassure myself that like those changes and the ups and the downs it's okay you know it's part of life like there needs to be an empathy there for yourself and for others Mm, yeah yeah well said I think there's also a part of us which, as human beings, we d- we don't know we have or we have a blind spot in, in how we see ourselves until a situation shows up and then we realize, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't know this about myself. I didn't know I can act in this way. And it, it sort of gives you a new discovery to yes. sort of who you think you are. Because to a large extent, we also not who we think we are because that version is limited because we are constantly evolving and changing. And it's interesting that a situation happens and it sort of like (laughs) opens up a Pandora's box to to reveal a little glimpse of, okay, this is a different version of me, you know? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you're like a little bit taken aback, like, oh, maybe I should think about this a little bit more. You know, maybe I should think about why I reacted in this way. Yeah, yeah. 
or why I'm feeling some type of way when someone's saying something to me, you know. Yeah. I think just always questioning yeah. that can be a really good thing. But I, I also believe that at some point you kind of have to, like at some point overthinking these things mm-hmm. can be not too yeah. great because I feel like then you're kind of just bathing in your emotions, you know, so like finding out where that balance is, you know, that self-aware balance. Yeah. It also just brings me to the point that I think you're you're a very reflective and a very self-aware person. And that translates in even in your work. I see you're very gentle with yourself. I try to and be. And <laughs> it's a way of being that lets you take life easy. It lets you take things at your own pace. Because like sometimes there's that external pressure to perform, to, to rush into things, to make decisions. But you, through your work, yeah. are able to uncover and interrogate that process in your mind and then come up with your answers i feel like that's the process in which you go through to create is that the case yeah yeah definitely i think you said that like quite well um i'm always i get these moments in the studio where i feel really grateful that i can spend so much time in a room filled with like paints and canvases Um, yeah, I feel grateful that I have the space to be so reflective, you know. I mean, sometimes sometimes it's not always the case. Sometimes I am very, I can get kind of in an overthinking mm-hmm. headspace and things don't feel like as gentle and as easygoing. Yeah. But the studio space definitely does bring me back to that because it's almost like a, you know, it's it's a soothing thing for me to do. Yeah, it's it's something I enjoy. It feels it feels like I should be painting often, which is which is a really cool feeling to have. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad you're in a position where like you're able to do that full time because even how you speak about your work is so gentle, and you speak with this grace. Like you've always known that this is where you should be or this is how you should be showing up in the world. And I guess for thank you, most people, it doesn't come easy because there's, again, there's that external noise, that pressure that, you know, what if this doesn't happen? What if this doesn't pan out? What if this doesn't work? You know, it's hard to quiet that noise. Yeah. It's very hard. I mean, I have a lot of that also like a lot of that but really i feel like my yes for sure i have friends who know me very well and i like really great support and i've learned to communicate when that comes up and to talk about it but also i've learned to like not pay too much attention to it i there are times where I definitely do pay too much attention to it and then painting feels really okay. difficult and it feels like it's like still <laughs> stuck. Yeah. But I feel like I know now that if I feel stuck and if I feel like I'm in a bad headspace, I must just keep doing things and eventually I'll move out of that headspace. I also think there's like a lot of value in making work that no one will see 
So I draw a lot. I make a lot of sketches. And mostly people don't often see those sketches, but that really helps me to get out of a difficult headspace when I'm in the studio. And it helps me to go back to the playfulness okay. of it. Okay, so it eases off the pressure a bit. Yeah, hmm. definitely. Okay. Aniko, let's also describe your process. Give me an insider's look to you working in the studio and you making some of these paintings. Um, okay, I'll kind of take you through my day. So I like to have a slow morning. So I'll wake up in the morning and I, I feel like I kind of need that space to mentally prepare for a day. So I'll have a coffee and I try not to be on my phone too much. Yeah. I'm also currently reading a book on creativity and that really helps. I usually try to read like one or two pages before I go to the studio and then I'll head to the studio and I'll kind of also have a slow start there. Usually I'll try and um, just do maybe a, like a few sketches or if I have a painting that's like halfway done that I'm working on, I'll, and I feel like a little bit too intimidated to just jump in and keep going with that one. I'll prep another canvas. So I'll mm -hmm. put down a color or make like a rough sketch and put it to the side. And then I feel like I've eased into it and then I'll go back to the painting that I'm working on. Um, so yeah, also just, I try to take it slow in the mornings and then usually it gets to a, it gets to a flow where I'll like stand back, look at what I'm working on and wait for like me to know what the next step should be. Cause I feel like when you're painting, you're making like a series of decisions because you know, if you're putting green over the red, that's a decision and that's probably going to change the way the whole yeah. canvas looks. So I'm, I, there's a lot of, like stepping back and just like staring at the work that happens during the day. I take a lot of tea breaks. Then I'll sit on my, then yeah. I'll sit on my chair and just look at what I'm working on until I'm like, okay, that one needs pink. And then I'll go put, put pink where I feel like it needs pink. So I'll try, I try to see what pops up during the day. How do you know what it needs? Uh, just, I feel like I just, look at it until it comes up until I just until I'm confident enough to make a choice okay I'll observe the work and then I'll try and imagine a few different ways I can change it and then at some point you kind of just have to go with your gut okay. feeling and sometimes it doesn't work out and then the painting turns into something completely different and other times it I I'll put down a color or I'll make a mark and then it works. And then I just kind of go from there. Then it feels like there's a bit of momentum and a confidence. Yeah. Okay. And then how do you know it's working for you? What gives you that confidence? I guess I just get excited about what I put down on the canvas. Mm. Like if I feel like the colors are really like speaking to each okay. other then I kind of just want to do more of that. Okay. And I'll get excited about what I see. Yeah. Or or what also often happens, it looks really terrible. 
And then I get frustrated and I just really want it to look better. <laughs> and then I'll just keep working until eventually it turns into something that I don't think is terrible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So what's the reception you've also got from people who've seen your work? What's the feedback been like? And what, what has stayed with you the most? Um, I think was like my earlier work, The I think I mentioned this earlier as well, but the colors were very bright and almost like like obnoxious colors. But some of the paintings felt quite sad. And then, not sad, but just like, you know, again, like a, a moment of introspection. And then some people would see the color and think that it's, it's almost comical or it's got this like lightness and then other people would interpret it as quite, you know, I guess the word is melancholic. So it's interesting to see how people see the same thing in such different ways. Someone walked into my studio the other day and I was working with like a really pale yellow and she said um, it almost looks anemic and I've, I thought that looks like that was such a good way of explaining the color, mm-hmm. you know, like a like an anemic yellow. Um, so I, I think often when people look at my paintings, they'll like kind of point out a very specific part of the painting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember I was once I was once at an opening. And one of my paintings were on the wall and the people looking at the painting, they didn't realize that I made the painting. And then I kind of just stood there. I wanted to see what they were going to say. And then the one girl pointed out the hand and she said, oh, that's a really creepy hand. I don't know how I feel about it, but I like the rest of the painting. And then I kind of just noticed that people like really fixate on like very specific parts of a painting, which is interesting. Because I also How are you able to achieve that? I think it just happens naturally. <laughs> I think people are drawn to certain things, textures and colors, and certain things. Yeah, and that also changes depending on like your mood or what you were thinking about that day. Yeah. I think. So, how did you feel hearing that? I kind of. I thought it was kind of <laughs> cool <laughs> because the hand was very creepy. It was kind of like <laughs> like a bit of a devilish hand. It was this like bright red hand with these long nails. Um, so it was a creepy hand, but I liked that she could say like, I don't like that part. Well, she didn't say she didn't like it, but she just said that that makes her feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I think I always think it's kind of nice if if a painting can intrigue you, but also make you feel okay a little bit. There must be a little. I feel like it's nice if there's a little bit of attention okay. in the okay. artwork. Something that just pulls you. So in. I actually took it as a compliment. <laughs> yes, exactly. I guess it goes back to that form of inquiry you said you you start with in the beginning when you're making the work. So it's almost a, a process of discovery yeah. and inquiry yeah hmm. did you at least tell her you are the artist <laughs> no <laughs> i just i didn't tell her i didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable <laughs> okay so okay i was kind of just like 
listening to what she was saying. So it would have been weird also if I told her because then she would know that I was listening <laughs> to a conversation with someone else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I also didn't want to reveal myself. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So does that give you a different perspective? Like when you see people interact with your work and have different meaning from what you initially started with? I feel like this year I haven't had a lot of people come into my studio. When I work, I always close the door. So um, it's like very private yeah. space. But I've been thinking more and more that I want to invite people into the space more often because because of these conversations that happen when you're around the work, okay. you know, it's nice to hear what other people see and pick up from a work. And that's, it's also very, very useful, you know, cause that, that can then kind of spark other yeah. ideas. Yeah. Or I, for me, I, then I can maybe look at my own work from a different perspective. So next year, I definitely want to do more of that, invite more people into the space. Okay, okay. And have more interaction while the work is being made. That's interesting. Yeah, not, not so close off. I'll be so private <laughs> when I work. <laughs> yeah. It'll be cool to see that process as well. It'll be cool to like let people in on your process of how you create your works yeah 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 Nicole, yeah. let's talk about your upcoming solo exhibition for the investor at cape town art fair let's talk about your role there and how you got involved with the solo section mm. um so I work with Ebony and we kind of sent in an application together because I kind of had, I had a, a, a idea for a body of work that I took to okay. my gallery, to Ebony. What is the idea? It started off with, I was thinking a lot about the spaces that we choose to live in I was thinking a lot about architecture and I've always had this fixation on corners in homes I feel like I always paint corners and even when I started painting I was painting corners and I, I'm still painting corners um, and I, I tried to think about why I'm so drawn to a corner and then I just, I started like a note on my phone where I was just jotting down ideas and it was all to do with how we interact with our spaces. And I had a few images of paintings that I wanted to make. I've been wanting to make work that kind of speak to each other for a while and I haven't done that in a while. And it's, it's, quite, it's quite a different process to make work that need to live together. So I took that to them and then they suggested that we we do it at the art fair. So that's kind of how I got involved. And yeah, I'm very grateful to have a solo booth at the art fair. It's very exciting. I think like I'm making a body of work for the art fair. I feel very grateful to have a spot there. 
it's very exciting. Yeah. And in the solo section. Yeah, no, it's it's very cool. I'm excited. I hope it turns out. It will. Good. It will. It will. Look at the conversation we've just had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is this something that you always wanted? Is this something that you thought of would happen? Um, I don't think I... I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's something that I've... I mean, I think the solo booth at the art fair is a really nice part of the fair because it, it's kind of... There's a lot happening at the art fair. There's a lot to look at. It can be quite yeah. overwhelming. So when you walk into kind of four walls that's a little bit more focused, it it kind of feels... It, it always feels a little bit calming to me to walk into a solo booth. Yeah. Because it feels like it's all it's all there together, you know. And as soon as you step out of the solo booth, it's almost like you're looking at a thousand things at the same time. Um, so it's always been something, like my favorite part of the fair was seeing who's getting a space and what they do mm -hmm. with it. So, yeah, I, I'm... I feel very yeah. grateful. And putting together your body of work for the upcoming fair, what has been the process? How do you feel about it as well? What's the experience you hope people would walk away with if they see your work? I think everything that we've spoken mm -hmm. about now, you know, I think, I hope people see a bit of yeah. that in the work. I hope they can kind of take from the work what they, what they need to take from the work. I want it to feel, I guess, intriguing. Yeah. And I want people to to go up to work and see what, what pops mm -hmm. up for them. Um, I think it's also quite nice to be able to refer back to like conversations like this, to have a bit of a background, because then you can kind of see what comes up for you knowing what I was kind of trying to think about while I was making the work and that the work is kind of something that reveals things to me as yeah. well. You know, like we said, it's a point of like inquiry or a questioning or like discovering some things about how to be in mm -hmm. the world, you know? Yeah. So I think that's what I hope people see when they see the work. What's your answer to that question, um, how to be in the world? How, how, how do you want to be in the world? How do you want to show up? I think I'm trying to figure it out. Mm. I think it's something I'm, I'm figuring out every day. And um, I think it's nice to... To think about it and kind of filter out things that doesn't fit right okay. with you. Um, I think, yeah, that's quite a that's quite a question. I feel like I'm definitely just trying to figure it out for myself. I, it, I people always say like, you know, who they they're trying to find out who mm -hmm. they are and. I mean, I think we're all doing that and we're all trying to figure that out, but I feel like it always changes also. I feel like we change a lot mm -hmm. all the time. So I, I wonder if if there's not something about being happy with 
always trying to figure it out, <laughs> you know, or always questioning it or always trying to grow or, you know, like things are always going to change yeah. and being okay. Yes. Yes. I don't know. If it does. It does. I think it's for a lot of things in life, there's not one right answer. I feel like things do exist in duality. No. There's a bit of discovery that mm. you have to be comfortable with. And there's a bit of uncertainty you also have to be comfortable with. I think it, it takes one to know the other. Yeah. You should, you should know what you don't know and be okay with that. At the same time, you should also have that dis, dissatisfaction yeah. to know that I need to find out more. It's you being comfortable with that awareness to say, okay, this is, mm-hmm. this is what it is and this is what I'm willing to do. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like as life, bringing new situations and new people into your life, that's probably going to yes. change, you know? So I don't think there's one thing yes. to find out. I think there's always something new to find out. Yeah. Kind of molding. Yeah. The dynamic aspect of life is that as it unfolds, you're also growing, even if it's unconscious. Because mm. some, some form of decision is yeah. being made, which will lead to growth in, in some way or the other. Yes. And we're only in control to, we, you know, like our control is limited. You know, things are going to yeah. happen life's gonna happen and you have to just kind of be able to to kind of go with it Aniko what future projects are you also working on um at the moment my focus has been on the work for the art fair and then next year once I'm done with this body of work I'll probably take a week or two away from the studio and just let it rest a bit and then go back, try to go back with a new energy. But for next year, I don't have anything specific lined up yet. I am moving into a new studio that I'm very excited about. It's a little bit bigger. It's got two windows. I currently only have one (laughs) window. So I'm excited about my new studio space. (laughs) Yeah, and I'll probably just see what the new year brings. I feel like things always kind of unfold. Yeah. I never have a very solid mm. plan. And um, and looking back, what, what has been some of your highlights of this year? Of this year, getting to work on a body of work. Because for a while there, in the beginning of the year, I was making lots of work, but they were all being kind of scattered. They were leaving the studio almost as soon as it's finished. So I think a highlight for this year was definitely being able to spend time with the paintings. Okay. Um, They've kind of been living in the studio with me for the last two, three months, um, which has been really nice. I feel like it really helps with then making new work because the, uh, the work that's there will inform what you make because you're constantly seeing it. So that's been really nice. That's something that I didn't have in the beginning of the year. The work was just kind of leaving. So I would say being able to make work that live together was a highlight. Okay. Does that make a difference? 
think so. I think it's quite nice to be able to have a little thread running through the paintings, you know, and kind of see how they have, mm. how they talk okay. to each other. You know, it almost feels like they're having conversations <laughs> yeah. with each other from across the room, uh, which is cool to, it's nice to see how that comes up, you know, and what what are like certain themes or colors that that kind of just keeps coming back to the work, yeah. you know. Because if I feel like if the painting keeps leaving the studio, that little thread gets a little bit cut every time. Yeah. And it's almost like you're starting a new, uh, like completely fresh. Okay, okay. Are you saying that the works almost have a relationship with each other and that informs the new one you make? Yeah, definitely. And that can be like, that can happen with a lot of intention. Mm -hmm. Like I can make a work and then feel like the next work needs to very clearly speak to the other work. But most of the time, because I am constantly seeing the work, um, it kind of just happens naturally. And then when I shuffle them on the walls to make space for a new painting, you kind of see how you can connect the dots and you kind of see like how, things just keep popping up without you knowing it, you mm -hmm. know, or like how a specific, how you're always going for a specific color. Yeah. You, you sort of see those micro decisions that you, you took the, the work before. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. And Aniko, looking ahead into the future, five years from now, 10 years from now, where do you see yourself being? How do you want to show up in the world in that time? I hope I'm still making work. <laughs> I mean, I assume that I will be. And I hope that I keep seeing how the paintings develop. I feel like I have little storylines in my paintings. Like there's a specific two boys that I paint every year. And I didn't realize that I was doing it until I looked back on my Instagram and I realized I paint these two <laughs> same boys every year. And then I realized I have like a few of these storylines mm. in my work. And I wonder if I'll kind of be able to build on those storylines. Okay. It's actually something that I realized like quite recently, which made me quite excited. It's quite nice to see that happen. So I, yeah, I hope I can build on stuff like that and yeah, just continue making and developing yeah. and, you know, learning. I feel like I still have a lot to learn. Who are those two boys? When I just started painting, I made, it was a very small painting and they're quite, they're, they're very gentle and there's a lot of love between them. It's almost like they really support each other. And it's almost like they live in this this other world. And they every now and then they come back and visit. <laughs> <laughs> they come back and visit and then I paint them. And I painted them again this year. And I'm not sure if they'll be up at, at the art fair, but they might be. Um and they, they look a little bit different every year. Are they growing? But it's to me, it's very clear that it's the same. <laughs> they are growing, definitely. They're very, this time around, they're very like elongated and they're wearing like these 
almost like see-through dresses. They look very, they almost look like, they're almost like angel-like. They've got like a very feminine feel to them. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not quite sure where they're going. They just feel quite contained. (laughs) Um, And like they understand things about the world. I mean, yeah, I feel like I I project, I, I, I feel like I just decided what their personalities must be, but yeah, it's interesting that they keep coming back. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see, to yeah, see that, to see that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not sure if it will be at the fair? I'm not hundred percent sure. Okay. I'll make a few, ed- I'll see kind of when there's a few paintings in the studio and I'll see kind of which ones work together best. Okay. We'll see if it ends up being there. Okay. Annika, lastly, how do you come up with titles for the works that you make? I usually, it's very, it's not very often that I have a title in mind before I start a work or while I'm painting something. Just because, like like I explained before, the, the work is always, sometimes I don't know how it's going to turn mm-hmm. out. So usually when I get to the point of titling the work, I'll kind of step back and I usually don't look at the work while I'm trying to decide on the title. I'll like leave the studio and think of, think about the work. And then I'll try to imagine, yeah, it's like I said about the objects as well. It's like I attach a personality to to the painting and to what's happening in the painting. And then I try to imagine what, how it would, what it would say if it could speak or how it would be. And then I kind of go from there, mm. you know? Okay. I guess the best way of saying it is like, I try to imagine what the painting would say, but also I write down if I'm listening to a song and there's a lyric that I like, I'll write it down. Or if I'm in if I'm in a conversation or I hear a conversation and someone says something interesting, I'll write it down. So sometimes I'll also just go back to my little list of possible titles and see if it with a painting. Yeah. And does that work? Yeah. Sometimes so I feel like I have a little light. Yeah, sometimes it does. Sometimes I'm also just really stuck. And I, I'm not sure what to title them. And then I'll go for something really simple. <laughs> um, simple and like quite obvious. Um, but most of the time I try to imagine how the painting would be. Okay. If it could be, you know, if it could be alive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what are some of the names cool. you gave to the two boys? So the first one was titled two boys (laughs) then the next one was titled two boys a year later (laughs) okay then the next one (laughs) and then it's very like um simple and to the point and then the year after that oh i forget what i titled that one um it wasn't it 
it wasn't two boys again. It was something else. Um, I, I actually can't remember. And I'm not sure what I'll title this one for this year. Hmm. I guess I'll have to go and look at the previous one to be able to build the new title. <laughs> okay. Because they need to make sense, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now we're eagerly anticipating yeah. seeing the two boys. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like now they should be part of the, the show. I think so too. <laughs> I'm actually going to go look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to go look what the title is so I can tell you. Okay. Oh, it was just titled two years later. (laughs) 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 So maybe the next one will be three years later. (laughs) So it's two boys, three years later. Yeah. No, it's not two boys. It's just three years later. Okay. (laughs) Well, we'll be looking forward to seeing it. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Annika, we're almost wrapping up with our conversation. Do you have any last words for our listeners? I think I said everything that yes. I had on my mind. Yeah. Do you have any last questions? No, no. I think we, we touched on all we need, at least for now. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Hope, hope, you, hope you enjoy the episode. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was nice to talk to you. Yes, you as well, you as well. I I really enjoyed that chat. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much once again. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Thanks so much. Enjoy your day. You as well. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of this captivating exploration through the Investor Cape Town Art Fair Curated Series. We trust that you found inspiration and insight in the diverse world of artistic expression showcased in this episode. Looking ahead, the 2024 edition of the Investor Cape Town Art Fair would unfold under the theme Unbound. Save the dates as we eagerly anticipate the 11th edition of this remarkable event from February 16th to 18th, 2024. Stay tuned for more engaging episodes on Jude's List.